Welcome to Social PR Secrets, the podcast. My name is Lisa Beyer, and I'll be your host. Today's guest is Miranda Miller. Miranda and I also go way back, like a lot of my guests and I do. We know each other from the early days of search engine strategies, and if you're listening to this podcast and you remember search engine strategies, you probably have a smile on your face. We were both writers for the publication called Search Engine Watch. Miranda was actually one of the editors. Miranda is still writing today. She's actually a writing coach. She's a ghostwriter. She writes for Search Engine Journal. She's been a guest on my podcast before and also the Search Engine Journal podcast. And what she talks about most is her expertise in writing from a journalistic standpoint and also search engine optimization. Today, Miranda is going to share everything you need to know, especially if you're in the public relations and digital marketing world about writing tips, tricks, and ways to do it right and ways to do it wrong. So welcome, Miranda. Hey, Miranda. Hi. We're going to be talking about social PR secrets to writing your way to top of mind. And also Miranda is going to share some work from home tips, whether you're writing or not. Um, Miranda and I have known each other for a long time, over a decade, I'm going to say. And Miranda, I'm going to just let you give um, a little intro um, about your writing journey and where you are today, literally where you are today physically too, because I'm coming from Celebration, Florida. And you are in Canada. I am. I'm a few hours north of Toronto. This is my home base right on Georgian Bay. Uh, I've been writing for about 15 years now for um, companies and ghostwriting as individuals in business. And um, basically, I help brands and people tell stories. Awesome. So right now, we're kind of in a weird state um, that we've never been in worldwide. But um Let's just talk about writing in general. What today? What is today's um, writing? What are some of today's writing best practices when it comes to, for example, just trying to get to the top of mind of your audience? Um, you know, I'm coming at it more from a public relations journalistic standpoint versus um, mar- just general marketing. So, and I, I think we're both on the same page with that. Mm-hmm. What, are, what are you seeing that um, you know maybe is working best right now, and what tips can you give? Well, I think um, for connecting with audiences and also for appearing in Google and appearing higher in Google, it's not important to be first. It is important to be best. So especially right now, I mean, I think most of us have received an email from every CEO's list we ever signed up for. It is incredibly noisy right now. Um, Everyone wants to get a message out and and let people know what they're doing about COVID-19 and how they're coping and that kind of thing. But I think we need to be um, more judicious with how we're communicating with people right now. Um, if you have something to say, make sure that you're building it out in a way that is helpful. Um, there's a lot of people experiencing really uncertain situations right now. And if what you have to say is really for your own benefit, it might be best to just hang on to that right now um, until you do have something that can help someone out. That's great advice. That's great advice. So. Um, what are some some topics? Um, I mean, I, I think maybe the general word is just helpful is kind of the category our content should be in right now and not so much self-serving. Right. But at the same time, we're also trying to, you know, everybody's trying to survive through this situation and stay top of mind. So what are some examples of, you know, how to find appropriate topics for your content and then also how to optimize that content? 
I think we need to think more than ever about who the audience is. So if you are a B2C brand and your customers are used to hearing from you on a regular basis, you've always done, say, a monthly newsletter, what can you add right now that's going to add value to those people? You know, can you create a space where people can get online in a chat room and talk? Um, are you looking up, you know, income supports and things that might be available to them? And you can, you know, direct people to the most reputable sources of information because there is a lot of misinformation floating around too. Um, and then, you know, on the B2B side, can you extend credit terms that are maybe a little easier for smaller businesses to deal with right now? Um, do you know of supports that might be open and, and attractive to them? Um, I think just thinking about what your customers and audiences are going through right now and how you can offer them some support, whether it's, you know, a tangible financial support or an ear so they can discuss the problems that they're having with you. Um, focus on listening right now and, and being useful. Yes, definitely. And um, actually, we've guided our clients through some of these emails that you're talking about that everybody is, um, you know, feeling that they have to acknowledge it in some way or there's some message. And, and you know, nine times out of 10, it's valid. And, um, but, you know, part of the guidance that we've been giving our clients is to, um, you know, strip out any type of selling right now, you know. Absolutely. And, <laughs> you know, it, the, the email that we just walked our client through was, you know, we took out the shop now. We took out, you know, things that are normally in all of our emails, our e-com emails, and just wanted to get to the point. And we just provided content that wasn't even our content that we felt like might be useful to our audience. So, I mean, I think that that is one example of, you know, it doesn't always have to be your content. You know, you can curate other trusted content and share it with your audience. And that's a way of creating content where it's, it's, it's easier and in some ways it's, you know, considered more useful and more credible if you didn't, if it's not okay. coming. Yeah. So. And that shows that you're an active part of your industry and your space too. You know what's going on. And, you know, if someone's used to hearing from you, we're heading into a period of really, you know, isolating ourselves. And we don't want to just cut off all connection with our audiences and our customers. Um, so like you said, even if it means going out and finding other content, um that's reputable and helpful to them then that's your that's your place right now so do that and so the way that we did it was we just really um you know we have our our, our curated partners that trusted partners that we already were it was easy for us to, to find who our trusted sources were um but what if this is a new situation and there aren't any trusted partners you know what's what are some avenues ways to find trusted sources that you can share with your, your audience, regardless of the industry? Um, this, this is like a common game when you're looking up statistics. Um, yeah. Always, always find the original source. So yeah, right. <laughs> you'll see the same, the same statistic is repeated, you know, 80,000 times on the internet. But it's important that whatever the message is right now, we figure out exactly who it's coming from. And when it's something related to COVID-19, is it coming from the CDC or the Small Business Administration or the WHO, because then I want to go back and actually read what they said and make sure that it translated properly into the article that was written by someone else about it, right? Um, and that's, you know, super important. If you're contacting people in this time and you want to be helpful, it's important to protect your own credibility by making sure that the information you're sending them is top quality. Yes, definitely. And I would say, 
you know, for, for brands, um, uh, owners of companies, marketing um, directors, if you're working with writers, I mean, that's one of the big mistakes that I see some younger writers making is when they are sourcing, they're using, you know, they're sourcing Huffington Post article, you know, right. that's, sourcing, you know, and that's actually sourcing the, the original source. So yeah. you, you really need to, you know, not just go by, you know, maybe just a, an article from a publication, even if it's the New York Times article, where did that original source come from that they're stating? Um, so exactly. I think with content writers, you know, that that's something, a tip that we need to watch out for is that triple check the sources in the content that's being curated if that's the, the avenue that you're going. Mm -hmm. What are some other tips that you can share that um, is from an optimization standpoint? You know, we, we work, Miranda and I work a lot together on various clients and projects and even for the buyer group. And um, a lot of what we're doing is um, top of funnel content where we're um, doing, you know, kind of spotlight interviews and things like that. So what are some tips that you can give and um, just how to make those types of articles the most interesting or the most optimized so that they're going to get attention from big, maybe both directions? I love rich media and interactive elements in blog posts and stories. So if you can find, you know, there's an influencer talking about it on Instagram and you can embed that and it's interactive within the blog post, that adds a lot of depth and richness um, that, you know, it's not just you telling the story now. There's other people talking about this too. Um, images, of course, if you're adding images, make sure that you're putting descriptive alt text and that the file name has, you know, I'm not talking about keyword stuffing, but you want to make sure that Google yeah. understands what the image is and its relevance to the story and therefore its relevance to, to the query. So I would say that when I go in and do audits or I'm working with clients on content and, you know, helping them on the, the optimization, that is probably one of the most skipped steps. Mm -hmm. And it's um, one of the most important because it's also an accessibility requirement. So that really, really needs to be there. If someone's internet is slow or they're using a screen reader, and they can't see, they can't visually see what that image is, you still want them to be able to understand what content is there. Because if it's there, you used it because it's adding to the story. So the story is not complete without it. Yeah, um, and I love the point that you brought up about embedding, like whether it's an Instagram post or, or something of the sort, um, or even a YouTube video, because I actually just realized yesterday, I don't know if this is new, but I just saw it for the first time that you can embed Yelp reviews into stories. So, I mean, that's like amazing. I mean, mm -hmm. Your positive Yelp reviews, I mean, you can't pay for that type of advertising, right? Um, but the thing that I love about embedding overall is that it helps keep um, time on site, time on that page, that page session duration, and keeps the, um, the user more engaged in your content versus just having to read, even if it's just a video that they're, that they're watching. So Absolutely. I... Yeah, and we can embed Facebook posts, we can embed Instagram posts, you can embed Yelp reviews. So I just think that whole embedding thing is super underused right now when it comes to, um, if you just did a, a quick analysis of, you know, small to medium to large size brands, I think it's a big miss when it comes to across the board. What is your opinion on that? I, I also love slide shares for embedding. Um, when yeah. you're talking about keeping people on page and, but also adding that utility that some are looking for, especially if someone's a little further in the funnel, they might want a bit more information. So you're going to have the skimmers who are just looking at your, you know, they're looking at the subheadings and they're trying to get 
just the overall idea. But you do have some who really want to dig in and learn more. So you could have like a 10 step process in a slide share that someone can flip through if they want to learn more. And it's right there. And once you've created that, you can embed that in different places too. So if it has utility in another blog post, you're not having to recreate the wheel. You can use that in another place. Yes, I love that. What are some headline writing tips? Because the headline is, you know, in many, many ways, the most important thing that's going to um, attract the reader and also is important for Google. And it's important for, for social because it ends up, you know, looking at what is the headline or what is the, the title tag, which ends up being, you know, showing in the, in the, in the share. So what are some of your tips in, in writing the headline and the title tag? Um, most important, I don't believe in clickbait. I think whatever your title is, you need to deliver on that in the article. It's such a disappointment when you click through and you're like, this isn't what this, you know, that's not what it is at all. Um, mm -hmm. So from just a usability standpoint and, and connecting with your readers, you want to actually deliver on what you're saying. Um, but then also do some research. So I like um, answer the public mm -hmm. uh, to see what kind of questions people have around a topic. So I want to make sure that I'm writing something that's relevant that people are actually looking for. Um, so, you know, you're looking at Google Trends, you can use AdWords uh, keyword tool, and then also answer the public and Google's suggested search. If you just start typing in a topic, it'll show you what people are, are wanting to know about that. And I think all of that insight helps you figure out a good title that's, you know, it's engaging and it contains the keywords you want it to have. And, you know, maybe you leave a bit of a knowledge gap. So, you know, you make a statement, but someone's going, hmm, I need to, I need to figure this out. I need to click through, you know, um, but doing your research and then, and then test titles, you know, test them against each other, A, B test. If yeah. one's not working, it, <laughs> Greg Darbo just brought that up in the interview I did with him about how Search Engine Journal does this. They use three different headlines and they test them out to see which one does the best. Um, do you have any suggestions for, are there, um, a certain, is there a certain plugin that you would use in order to, to do these the rotation to test out the, um, the headlines? You know what? I actually don't. I'll find out from Danny. Find out from Danny, but the whole idea is to test out different headlines and see which one ends up working out the best, right? And test different social copy. You, you know, something might resonate differently on one platform than another. Exactly, exactly. So, what are some writing hacks? To, like, if you're just kind of stuck, um, what are we talked about this before? You've actually taught my staff some of these these tricks to um, getting the most out of your time in writing and not sitting there in kind of like distraction mode or writer's block. So what are some tips that you give uh, to your, um, on how we can be the most productive and with writing? Well, and this is super important right now because so many people have just been thrust into working from home and you might have all kinds of distractions around you. It's not the environment you're used to being in to get your work done. Um, first, I think most importantly is just be kind to yourself. If you are sitting there staring at a blank page, get up and walk away from it for a while. Um, I like to do a bit of research and then let it kind of sit and percolate and I'll work on something else for a while. And when I come back to it, I've had time to sort of think about, okay, what are the questions I have around this? Where do I need to do a bit more reading? Um, you know, do an outline and what are the points I wanna make here? What are my, what is the body gonna look like before I even try writing an introduction? What is this, you know, what, are the, what do I wanna get across here? And so figure out that structure first before you sit down and try to 
come up with just the perfect way to say it, right? Um, and if it takes you a day or two, give yourself that time so that you're not sitting down and, and trying to pound it all out in one hour. But then once you've set up that structure, you've done a bit of research, it is super helpful to do writing sprints or productivity sprints, whatever it is that you're working on, where you've broken it down into small chunks and give yourself 25 minutes, okay, I'm gonna get this done and just go for it. The thing is you can always edit words, but you can't edit a blank page, right? So if, <laughs> if you write total garbage, that's okay. Let yourself do that. Um, it's at least a starting point. And then you can say in the next Pomodoro, we call them. So in the next productivity sprint, I'm going to edit this and I'm going to polish it up and it's going to become something awesome. Um, but don't get frustrated with yourself. Be easy on yourself right now. There's so many people dealing with just strange work situations they've never been in before. And you need to give yourself time to find routines that work for you. Definitely. One of the things that I found is if I just write out just like maybe one or two sentences of of the, the story or the article and like you said like walk away but sometimes I'll do it before I go to sleep at night and mm. I'm like you know up all night thinking about it but it's already kind of like somewhere in the back of my brain and then when I wake up in the morning I have all these ideas so yeah. there's something to be said for kind of just like putting a little bit of thought into it and then walking away and then going back and not trying to do it on the first pass for sure yes and go for a walk you know get out of your space get out of your office um your brain will keep working on it yeah definitely um i i just was on a podcast um webinar yesterday and they shared this um see if i can find the name of it um descript have you heard of descript the tool called descript i think that's I the name of it so. but anyway it's similar to um to like an otter where your voice you know it's transcription and what you can do is, um, from what I hear, I'll double check the name of it, but any, any of these transcription type services that are pretty accurate, you can just talk your thoughts into it and mm -hmm. then the, the word version of it. And you can then just, you know, rearrange it, um, you know, based on, you know, your thoughts, you know, and, and yes. paste those, those bullets out of that and, and bring it into your, your actual document. So I even use that a lot just with my iPhone and Google Docs. If I create a Google Doc, um, I can work on it offline too. You can set it up to do that and just talk into my iPhone. Yeah. And, and it's some there's some topics that you know so well, it's easier to just get that out there and yeah. then you can fill it in, you know, backfill it with research and other statistics and things like that. But if you if you know, already know what you want to say and the writing is the obstacle, definitely use a voice to text app. Yeah, and I try to suggest that with my clients when we're trying to get quotes. You know, we have a Q&A and we just send them like three questions. You know, it's very daunting to have to like sit down and like figure out how to, you know, that it's, you have to almost trying to make it sound perfect by writing it. I'm just like, you know, just, just get a voice memo, just, just say it. And then we can, you know, we can edit it if, if, it, if needed. So it's the easiest way, especially if you're, it's something that you're expert on, just mm -hmm. dictate it and then we could always edit it. I have that with ghostwriting clients too. Some of them prefer to put together, you know, a bullet list of what it is they want to say, but some of them just want to hop on a call. Others will, you know, when they're in their car on the way to work, they'll make me voice notes and just send it over. And, and that's a good starting point. Yeah, for sure. For sure. 
what are some tools that you're using just when it comes to supporting your writing that you think would be um, something that from a PR content standpoint would be good to share, good to know? So I have um, human proofreaders and editors, but I also use Grammarly. Um, sometimes we just don't, we don't catch the simplest things. When, when you've been looking at something for two or three hours, you know what was supposed to be there. So we are, as humans, we are terrible at, at proofreading ourselves. So I do use Grammarly. Um, I use a lot of tools um, to do keyword research. So, and topic research like BuzzSumo um, to see, you know, what, what else has been published on this? What's popular? Um, what got the most social shares? And, and see if I can sort of see a theme in there. What was it about this that resonated? And, and also getting that bigger picture gap or idea of what's already out there tells you where the gaps are. So what hasn't been answered yet? Where can I have an opinion that's interesting and different? So I'm not just saying the same thing as, as someone else said. Yeah, those are all great tips. And of course, um, you know, we both, we both have been working from home off and on, more on than off for a long time. So this working from home is not new to us, but it is new to a lot of people. And um, that actually makes you also an expert in working from home. <laughs> so any tips just in general, um, you know, that are kind of not the obvious that you can share with our audience on working from home that you do? Um, well, I've been doing this for about 15 years and I do travel about four months of the year. So sometimes I'm working from my home office and sometimes I'm working from a coffee shop or a hotel room or, or whatever it is. I try to have a routine, but also it's important that you let that routine change depending on your circumstances. So when I first started out, I had two sons. I was a single mom. They were 18 months apart and they were both under three years old. So in, in those days, I was really juggling, um, trying to work when they were sleeping. Um, I was barely sleeping myself, you know, it's, and, and you look back and you go, how did I ever get through that? But people are in that right now and they're going to get through it. Know that it does get better. Um, you might need to, you know, see if, if you do have a partner who can give you a bit of quiet time, or is there something you can do to tune out some of the noise around you? So wearing headphones, I'm not saying totally ignore and neglect the kids. If they're, if they're that young, you need to be working when they're sleeping. Um, but finding sleep schedules that work too. So I used to stay up almost all night sometimes back then. And um, now it's really important to me that I get up early. My kids are older. I want to get wherever I am. I want to get my work done, you know, early in the day. So I have the rest of the day to do fun things. If I'm traveling, I want to be out exploring. And if I'm at home, I have meals to cook for all these people. Um, so find find a routine that works for you. It doesn't have to look conventional. Um, it doesn't have to look like anyone else's schedule. If you, um, you know, there's tools you can use. So Boomerang for Gmail, I love because I can schedule emails. Um, I can get my work done whatever time of the day works for me, but I can schedule it to land when I know that my colleagues I'm working with are going to be at their desk. And I know that when I'm, you know, when I'm sending it to them, they're going to want a response from me quickly. So I'm going to send it at a time when I know I'm going to be working the next day. That's, if that makes sense. I love that tip. <laughs> I love that tip so much. I do it myself and I try to um, give that advice to my team and to um, mm -hmm. just to be sensitive to them. And like, so last night was actually a perfect example. I couldn't sleep and I was up working at like two or three in the morning 
but I didn't want people to be getting these emails from me like exactly <laughs> two or three in the morning. So I'm scheduling them to go out at eight in the morning. Like here, I'm at my desk sending emails at eight in the morning. But a couple of them by mistake went out, and I'm just like, uh, <laughs> from me at two thirty in the morning. But um, but yeah, I try try to do the same thing, and also just taking it one step further from uh, you know, when we're pitching the media. The absolute, what, is your, what do you think the absolute worst time for somebody to get an email, not just the media? Like for me, the, it's like four o'clock or five o'clock, you know, if I'm getting emails that need to be answered or I'm getting, you know, asked something or pitched something or sold something, it's like the worst time for me. Yeah. So trying to figure out when we're doing media outreach, like what, you know, picture yourself in the shoes of, of that person. And, you know, I get a lot, I'm very effective, um, media relations and even with our clients on a Sunday or on a Saturday when you know maybe they're just kind of they don't have all these other things that they have to answer and they can focus more on you know something that's maybe not their number one priority but they do want to engage in it they just don't have time and it's the same with the media they might be interested but when you're hitting them when they're they're possibly at their computer and have the least amount of distractions and it's not considered an interruption kind of you will get the best results absolutely so um miranda any other tips that we didn't cover from a writing standpoint that is um you know modern day optimization that we should keep it keep in mind to get top of mind and and you know also get included in search maybe not number one in search but included in search i think um content format is super important um so there are you know, blog posts are appropriate for all kinds of messaging, but like we talked about before, there, you might have more in-depth content that would make a good slide share. Um, you might have something that would be a good white paper that you could refer back to over and over again. If you have your own data and you've done a bit of analysis and you want to release that as a, as a paper that other people can reference too, that's, you know, that's a smart way to release that. Um, you might have just bite-sized content that's better for social and it's better to do that than trying to make what will turn out to be a really thin blog post or something that you have to kind of, you know, stretch out to make it actually meet 500 words or whatever your definition of a good blog post is. So I think just really considering the format, like who am I trying to reach with this messaging? Where are they online? Where, how am I going to promote this? And considering all of that before you even start creating your piece of content, you know, if you, you have to know how you're going, are you going to boost a social post about it? Um, is it going out in your email newsletter? All of this will help guide what that's going to look like. Okay, great. Those are all great tips. I really appreciate it. And so if somebody wants to um, catch up with you or follow you, where would the best place be? I am at Miranda LM Writes at, uh, on Twitter and Instagram. And they can also visit my website, Miranda-Miller.com. And also you are a writer for Search Engine Journal. So watch for your articles on Search Engine Journal. Greg Jarbo, the same thing. So Search Engine Journal, if you're in the, the marketing space, that is a great source for you. Um, very credible, very you know timely on, on all different topics that has to do with Google, um, the paid side, the organic side, social media, content. Um, so definitely a great source there. So thank you, Miranda, so much. This thank is going to be a podcast if you're watching this Facebook Live. You can look for the podcast, Social PR Secrets, and everybody stay healthy and be well. And namaste, Miranda. Thank you, Lisa.
Thank you for listening to this episode of Social PR Secrets. If you like what you heard, check out the book on Amazon or follow our blog at socialprsecrets.com. This episode was sponsored by The Buyer Group, a social PR agency striving to keep our balance in the digital world, practicing public relations, social media, and search marketing, while occasionally drinking a glass of wine or two for the best creativity and results. Thank you all for tuning in. If you would like to get a free chapter of Social PR Secrets, go to socialprsecrets.com slash free.